Welcome to WP Tonic Roundtable Podcast, where a panel of leading WordPress junkies discusses the latest WordPress and internet stories of the week. Now, on with the show with your moderator, Jonathan Denwood. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Roundtable Show. Um, we do this every Friday around 8.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Um, got some great stories, got some great panelists. We have a special guest returning, a friend of the show, Brian Jackson, joint founder and CEO of Forge Media, the people behind WP Coupon, Nova Share, and Permatis. Permatis. I'm not a little. Perf matters. Perf matters. Sorry, Brian. Um, All great plugins, former. Head of Marketing at Kingster. So I'm going to let the um, panel introduce themselves. Let's start with Uncle Spencer. Spencer, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Good morning, Spence from WPLunchFi.com. That's great. And we've got Heather. Heather, would you like to? I am Heather Renzi from The Difference, and I am author of Birth of a Unicorn. Yeah, that's true. Uh, We've got Sally. (laughs) Got Sally joining us. Would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. I'm Sally Getch, the WP Fangirl from WPFangirl.com. And we've got our guest, Brian. Brian, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, yeah, so I'm yeah Brian Jackson, uh, co-founder at Forge Media. And yeah, we develop a couple WordPress plugins and we do a little um, content marketing as well. Yep. He's very talented. So, um, before we go into our main stories, I want to talk about my major sponsor, Custos um, Purity. Uh, um, there we go. Uh, um, if you're looking to get involved in podcasting for yourself or for your clients, you need somewhere to host your audio files. And basically, um, Costas, I was with another provider. I wasn't totally happy with them. Um, I moved to them, started talking to them. Um, They decided that they wanted to sponsor the show. That's fantastic. Uh, I've been delighted with their service. It's just been great people to work with. Really slick interface design, about half the price of the people that I was with. I can't say more about them. So if that's interesting, I suggest you go over there if you want to start your own podcast or you're helping somebody start theirs because you need the right platform. So let's go into the first story. Theme set up for our Paragon Shift. WordPress 5.8 will unleash tools and make it happen. What did you think of this one, Brian? Uh, I'm I'm actually really excited with the full site uh, editing stuff um, because I think it's, in my opinion, I think it's what page builders should have been from the very beginning um, with WordPress. Um, and so it's just going to be interesting to see where all this stuff goes. Um, most people know I'm a big fan of uh, Generate Press and they're launching this new hybrid full site editing thing to kind of you know, is kind of what WordPress is doing here as well. Um, so I think with Word, WordPress core is still a little too soon to really do everything you really need. So I think a lot of people are still going to be using, you know, Elementor or Divi or um, going with like a, a framework like Generate Press or Astro or something. I think they're still going to be doing that for a while because I don't think 
the full site editing in WordPress is kind of up to where it should be yet. But it's actually something I'm really excited about. I'm going to keep testing it when they keep pushing out updates. And um, yeah, maybe you know a year or two from now, maybe um, I'll be designing my whole sites in just WordPress core. Like that would be actually kind of cool, I think. So yeah. What about you, Sally? What do you think? I'm really curious to see this. I'm definitely looking forward to the query block. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's a pity that some of the other stuff is, is not going to make it in because I think global styles are, uh, a really important thing to have. It's like, on the one hand, it's nice that you can customize every block individually. On the other hand, you really don't want to have to go through and customize every block individually. Uh, so I, I, I really look forward to that being, uh, being there. Um, it's interesting. I'm, I'm listening to part of the, the podcast interview that's referenced in this uh, article. I have not had a chance to play with the full site editing. And I'm curious about this, you know, discussion about, you know, hybrid themes and universal themes and, uh, uh, the, uh, encouragement to theme developers that you know, yes, you may be you may be find yourself building things in a different way, but you're not necessarily going to to disappear. And the statement that you know somebody is poised to make millions, well, maybe I don't know. Uh, I, I'm sure all of the uh, theme companies are paying attention, though, uh, and <clears throat> you know, people like Generate Press uh, uh, are definitely staying on top of that. Uh, I'm looking forward to it as somebody who works a lot with themes to, to seeing what comes up, but it is still, uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, very rough around the edges and is going to be, and it continues to to face an uphill battle in that way because, you know, what you have to do for the whole of WordPress to take all of those users into consideration is a, a lot more than what you have to th think about to build, you know, Elementor or Beaver Builder or whatever, uh, where you can say, here, this is what you, you know, need on your site and <clears throat> how, how that works. And we're going to, you know, cater to the people who love our stuff and want to be able to do things this way. All right. So what do you reckon, Spencer? So as with, <laughs> as with everything the tavern, the devil is in the comments. And I think that the two key points that are really relevant is, on the one hand, it's very exciting that for certain types of blogs or personal websites, you could have a drag-and-drop thing that solves the really complex problem of doing multiple queries to put together a page, right? We, we've all experienced at some level, like here's the featured blog posts and here's the related things and here's the other author stuff. And that's hard, even with plugins, to just get your head wrapped around. <laughs> but the future proofing of separating content from style is the dinosaur or the Frankenstein monster that I'm constantly having to help people with because... Look at Divi. Still, maybe number one or number two most popular themes, but if you have a Divi website and you want to go to change, even though we talked about this years ago, guess what you got to do? You got to go and copy-paste out all of the content because otherwise you have this giant short-code nightmare. What's going to happen if somebody in a company allows the editor 
to be accessible by some junior junior copywriter. And they go to town making all this stuff with the blocks. And then the company decides in the future they want to change something. Well, that, that junior copywriter has just created a big mess. Whereas in most of those environments, and Heather, I think, can speak to this best, they definitively separate out the content from the design for that very purpose. So Justin and the other people were suggesting, and I think that's a great example, don't release this thing into the wild until you have some really solid control over who is allowed to use this thing. So what do you reckon, Heather? I mean, you know, I'm not going to do anything with it. I'm going to turn off the blocks. <laughs> I mean, at least they're they're doing concessions for people like me now where they're like, oh, well, there's still people that hate this. <laughs> and are going to code. So, yeah, I mean, no matter what they do, they're, they're not going to, there's still the hardcore, like, people that, that hate visual stuff and there are going to be developers no matter what. So... Um, and, and, but I mean, every time they try to like drag, I mean, they they keep adding all these things to try and drag people like me in and we're still going to be like, no. (laughs) Well, those aren't the kinds of things that pull people like you in. So if they keep adding more of the stuff you don't like, it's not going to, uh, you know, it's not going to make it attractive to you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like it's, it's just, I'm, I mean that, but I mean it's like they're spending, they're they're spinning their wheels. They're trying, they're. I mean, it's not like I'm not going to use WordPress because I do, but I mean, why are they wasting all their effort? I, they, I, they have a lack of focus, right? They don't know who they're catering to is essentially the problem. You know, you you don't see any other company. Like for example, look at Salesforce. Salesforce is an enterprise level solution. They don't spend an ounce of time trying to talk to normal people. On the contrary, they're like. You got to pay twenty five hundred bucks to talk to an expert who's certified best, even understand what we do. Whereas with WordPress, they're trying to be kind of all things to all people at once, and not necessarily doing any of them very well. Yeah, that's true. Let's go on to the next story: the Apple event on April the twentieth. Yes, it was spectacular at their corporate space center. Uh, um, it was something out of a science fiction film, wasn't it? So what do you what do you reckon about that, Spencer? What Apple? I'm very sad about Apple in so. general. You guys know Marcus Brownlee, who is like one of the top YouTubers ever of technology, right? And he does a lot of Apple stuff. And his production quality is incredible. He's got, I think, 30 million subscribers. But the point is, he just covered this with a video and I just caught it through my feed. I was like, oh my God. This stuff is so cool and sexy. And then I reminded myself, what's under the hood? (laughs) Which is, everything is locked down. Everything is anti-right to repair. Everything is overpriced, all fluff, no substance. Now, while it is true that for hardcore editors and so forth, there are things about Apple products that are still good, I myself have found that I've been running very nicely with a one of those Intel nooks, you know, this little cigarette-sized box mm-hmm. of processor connected to a 43-inch TV 4K thing I got at Costco for 125 bucks. I've been living large, doing everything I want, including video editing, for about $600 a cost. As much as those iMacs are super sexy, and so are the iPads, I'm like hard-pressed to figure out why I would get 
suckered into spending thousands of dollars on a product that is going to essentially cost me double that to fix it if there's ever anything wrong. And I, and I think, like, didn't Brian once say he'll never use WooCommerce? I hesitate to say, but there's very little chance that I will ever buy any Mac computer product in the future unless or until something changes with their right to repair issues. Yeah, I'm a kind of, I, I totally understand where you're coming from. And I um, I actually have bought a Mac Mini um, as the second, and I'm using it right now, and it, I'm very happy with it. But um, I do understand everything what you said. Uh, before I throw it over, I'm going to go to Heather in a second, but before, it, what what kind of really, when I was watching this, this um, Tim, and then all the all the kind of perfect employees of Apple, they're all they're all so chirpy, weren't they? And so all so good looking. I could see Heather working at Apple, uh, um, in front of the camera being very chirpy. Uh, um, uh, but they're all so perfect, weren't they? Um everything was so perfect in the world of Apple, wasn't it? So Heather, what did you think of, of their but their presentation? I mean, it was a whole big to-do about nothing. I mean, they're stealing stuff from other people again. Um, Like, they're trying to put Tile out of business. Um, They're trying to put... Yeah, they're trying to put Intel out of business. Um, Direct direct rip-off, by the way. Like, they could not have ripped off Tile any more than they did. Yeah, and... um, yeah, I mean, like, ooh, the iPhone 12 comes in purple now. I mean, they're just trying to, uh, they're 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 trying to, like, delay the fact or, like, wave their hands around the fact that there's an in, there's a chip shortage worldwide. So, like, the the uh, iPhone 13 is probably going to be delayed. Um, they're trying to get around that. Um, I mean, there's there's all sorts of things that. I mean, it, it was just a whole lot of nothing. Um, so I, I think these big events... But too, nobody cares because it's pretty. Yeah, ooh, it's in purple. Um, oh, yeah, and, and the fact that it was... What? It's pretty and it's in purple. But yeah. Isn't that 99% of what they're selling? If you look at this homepage or the Mac description, everything they're talking about is like... It's got a color coded matching table with fabric on it, or yeah. these speakers fill the room with sound. So, like, like for, really? for my for my latest iPhone, like I was I was trying to buy the case, like for the MagSafe uh, backing, and like I was going to buy the Apple case, um, and people were like, like all the reviews say, "Don't buy this; it's slippery. Don't buy this; it's slippery. It's the most slippery case ever. You're going to break your phone." So I'm like, all right, I guess I'm not going to buy this case. <laughs> like, why would I spend $50 for the worst protection case ever? So I got my my normal spec case for it. So, like, I mean, if Apple's not making the best products to protect their things, then, um, yeah. No, I mean, uh-huh. like, the only Apple events that are worth paying attention to are the ones that happen in the fall. The spring ones are stupid. Yeah. 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 What do you reckon, Brian? What do you reckon, Brian? Um I I the the M one chips are actually pretty amazing. 
um, if you've gone using Apple on their old stuff and then using the M1 chips, they're actually very fast. Like it's actually kind of impressive what they've done, but it's not something new either. Like they're basically iPad dips. Like it's, it's something they've actually optimized for years now. Um, so I actually think it's smart, in my opinion, that they're actually kind of getting rid of Intel because they cut out the middleman for themselves. And um, now they're doing their own thing. If I was Apple II, I'd probably try to cut out every middleman I possibly could. Um, and um, I wasn't impressed. I, I, I used to own the 27-inch iMac, the Intel one, and I actually loved it. Um, right now, I just have a um, MacBook Pro. Um, and seeing that it was only in a 24-inch screen immediately killed every hype uh, that there was for me. I, was, I don't understand why you would invest in an iMac when you don't have a 27-inch screen. It doesn't make sense to me. Like, If you're going to spend the money to get all of that stuff, um, I like a 27-inch screen. So um, that immediately killed the whole buzz for me. Um, the one thing I did like was the the touch keyboard thing because I would use that or if I can buy it separately and somehow use it with my um, something else with a monitor or my Mac mini, um, then I would definitely get that keyboard. I, uh, yeah, it's something uh, I'm definitely going to keep my eye on. Typing my password yeah, gets old every know. time it locks. So. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just got... Fascinate. I got a little bit fascinated by the the um, perfect um, Apple uh, management team that was presented to us. So I, I did a little bit of digging on in uh, with their background, the diversity of Apple. Um, it's not very diverse. They all come. I'm shocked. Of them it's a tech company come- that's not very diverse. Exactly. Uh, they all come from um, very expensive liberal art colleges, and then they they come from very expensive um, business schools like Kellogg. Uh, literally all of them. Uh, um, and I was thinking, the two found that you know, even though the um, the um, the famous founder was a perfection freak. Um, it's just interesting that the two founders of the company, I don't think they would have got through any of the interview process, you know, the um, the um, automated process of filtering out candidates using artificial intelligence. Um, they would well, they probably would get not. anywhere it's, with modern, modern, modern Apple at all. It's, it's, it's quite, a, it's, I find it quite fascinating, really. Uh, but a, I don't know if that's me, Sally. It's an illustration reckon? of why, um, you know, of how founders are not necessarily the people suited to running a company once it's Apple grown into a massive now, would they? They, they, corporation. They, they, Steve, if Steve tried to get employed by modern Apple, you know, some kid that, that couldn't complete his university course and went to India, bumming around India, and it came back. I don't think his resume would be very attractive to Apple, would it? Oh, well, prob- probably not, depending on who they're hiring, because, of course, people you hire to do management and corporate-type jobs often have a different background from the people you hire to do the engineering, et cetera, yeah. uh, jobs. Uh, and and yet, I mean, you know, the, a lot of the very famous CEO types are not the products of 
uh, business school necessarily or not initially the products of business schools. Um, <clears throat> so you have to balance that tension there. I, you know, my, my husband was impressed with the new iPad. Uh, it said that it's it's clear they're about to like ditch the the MacBook Air because the, there was no reason you would buy the MacBook Air instead of the i instead of the iPad. Um, but uh, my husband is also in the middle of uh, rebuilding his world famous office, and uh, one of the things he's been doing is taking his old uh, Mac equipment because he had a, a few a few Mac things and uh, installing either uh, Windows or Linux on it. Um. <clears throat> oh, well, it's going, it's going really to the dark side, isn't it? Apple, I like that. So, Heather, do you think there's anything in what I said? Because they, they're very diverse in um, um, race and um, sex, but when you, when, you, when you delve a bit deeper about the origins of this crew running Apple now. Um, there doesn't seem to be any diversity in any of them. They all come from the same um, educational background. Yeah, they're and, all from, you know, from uh, Mumbai. Um, they uh, <laughs> they're all imported from India, and they're they're running scared because the H one visas are 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 expiring. Now. Um, yeah, I know. I mean, I know a lot of people uh, that work at Apple, and it is. Am I on to anything, or, or, or is it? It's just. It just seemed a slight. I'm sorry to interrupt. It just seemed uh, a slight contradiction, didn't it? What they what they're trying to push, but when you delve a bit deeper, um, there is no diversity, really, is there? Yeah, they're they're all. I mean, so okay, the executives at Apple are making a lot of money and they're mostly male, but the majority of the workers at Apple make no money and they're almost all contractors from India. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, that's about right. Like, just, like at, just, just like at Facebook and Google and uh, like almost all of the Silicon Valley companies, um, the, like the employees are contractors and they can't even use the cafeteria. <laughs> oh, you can't, you can't them I, I have I have uh, heard that uh, definitely that you know mo- most of the people who are doing the work are are not uh, employees with benefits. Um, d- despite the uh, you know the sincere attempts of the state of California to uh, ensure, ensure that operates otherwise. Yeah, this is one hundred percent true from somebody that is embedded in Silicon Valley. I mean, isn't the question that we, why do we allow this behavior to happen still? I mean, I see there's some signs without being political, but like Biden, for example, making moves that he says he wants to tax the rich and and so on and so forth. But like we allow these megalithic companies to get away with practices that we all agree are not good for the the bulk of society. And yet we do it like, because we're worshiping at the altar of the, venture capitalists or the, you know, equity investors, because there's no benefit to the larger society from a place where everybody's a contractor and treated like a at-will employee slave. 
But yet that's how they set it up. That's how they're incentivized. That's how they make their trillions of dollars tax-free. This is 100% of how America has already up, always operated. Mm-hmm. It's like there's there's an assumption that there's going to be free labor of some kind. Oh, yeah. darn, we had, we had to free the slaves. Now we're going to, you know, import people from uh, China uh, or from India to build our highways and our railroads and uh, 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 you know, uh, we we are unwilling. We have been collectively unwilling to just pay people a living wage for their work because then we wouldn't be able to get rich. Well, I, so it's it's a funny thing. Like one of the the people that reviewed my my book pointed out, they're like, "Wait a second. So one of her demands for like working at Evernote was that she get paid." Like, I don't understand. And, no, you terrible person. You terrible yeah, no, no, no. person. How dare you? Were, you? They, they were like, wait a second. I don't, I don't understand this. And, and then they went back and they're like, what? what, what? And then they, they actually sent me a message and asked me, they're like, wait, you mean in startups you don't get paid? And I was like, correct. <laughs> But you guess equity. It's it's up there, you know, equity and something that so far has no value. Uh, uh, yeah, it's up there with do it for exposure. Yeah, I was like, if you want to be somebody that will actually make a lot of money at a, at a startup, like, like if you want that chance, then you have to go in and, and do sweat equity. And uh, yeah, the people that come in and, and get a salary at a startup are most likely never going to make any money from it, except that that dollar amount. So anyway, sad but true. Well, the audience is saying they love the which, which means that essentially you you have to be um, either like already independently wealthy or you know young and and with you know living with your parents in right. in order to uh, you know to, to work. <clears throat> 18 hour days and, and not make money. Right. Which is this, like why the social stratification is like, I mean, that's why you see these billionaires like continuing to make money from startups. Like, and I mean, that's, that's like the lie that you think like, Oh, well I can just like make a lot of money. Like the Kardashians were already rich. (laughs) They were already rich. Like they didn't just come out of nowhere. So but just to finish off, I, I, the thing that interested me, and I did, it's linked to, um, I think America increasingly is, um, is adopting a Japanese model where big enterprise and government are almost unrecognisable. You know, in Japan, the the big manufacturing, like Fuji Industries, Mitsubishi, are enormous and their tentacles in, in government are... In, very embedded and um, there was an example of Nissan when they, they had to get rid of their chairman um, and their chief um, lawyer um, he um, he was asked to investigate and he did and they didn't like the results so they went after him as well uh, um, but he was also a foreigner as well Um but to me, that it's the same situation as you asked, Sally, you know, and I think um, um, Spencer asked, is that um, that big tech in America has its tentacles everywhere in the government. 
And so it's really hard to tell the difference between the government and big tech sometimes because they're, they're so pelly, 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 pelly. Pelly, thank you they, very they much. They pal around. But that was, yes. So we're going to go for a break and when we come back, I've got some more stories, folks. We'll be back in a few moments. Launch Flows turns your WooCommerce website into a selling machine. We make it easy to create gorgeous sales funnels, no friction checkouts, order bumps, upsells, downsells, and much more. Gain full control over your buyer's journey from the top of your WooCommerce sales funnel all the way to the bottom. Best of all, you can use your favorite page builder, such as Elementor, Divi, Beaver Builder, Gutenberg, or one of the high-converting templates we've included inside. Get rid of the clunky WooCommerce shop pages and checkout process in favor of an optimized buyer flow that instantly increases conversions and makes you more money. LaunchFlows provides one-click order bumps that increase the total value of every sale with a 10 to 30% conversion rate. This is perfect for anyone offering complimentary products, training, or extended warranties. With unlimited upsells and downsells, your buyer's journey doesn't need to end at the checkout. Instead, we make it easy to display a series of additional offers as part of the original transaction. This is perfect for one-time offers, related products, mastermind class offers, high-ticket software sales, or subscription supplements. Not an expert? Don't worry. We've got the training and the consultation you need. WP Launchify will teach you how to get the most out of launch flows with personal consultation on WordPress, WooCommerce, marketing automation, and much more. If you want to earn more money with your WooCommerce online business, you owe it to yourself to try launch flows today. We're coming back. We've had a, we had a go of Apple, but it was a bit of a, it was all show and no substance in a way. But there we go. Uh, um, uh, um, before we go on to my next story, I want to talk about one of our other great sponsors, Conversio. Great hosting. If you've really got a large website for a client and you're having problems with your hosting provider, this is enterprise-level hosting, though, folks. Um, you're, we're talking about um, a reasonably large WooCommerce website, membership website, something that is taking a lot of money or that, and you're looking for a company that's really got a superb backend, um, that's doing some really interesting things in the corporate WordPress hosting area, you could do a lot wrong than looking at Conversio. They're also, if you go to the WP Tonic website, you'll find their banner all over the website. They're offering a special deal to the WP Tonic tribe on any of their plans. And this is for the lifetime of the plan. They're offering 30% off. It is a fantastic deal. So I suggest that if you've got a website for a client that real needs some real performance and you're fed up in hearing about them complaining about the performance of their website, you should go over to Conversio and try the, try them out. Right, on to the next story. The next story. Um, WordPress contributors 
proposed blocking FLOC in core. So, for Brian, could you explain what this story is about first to the listeners and viewers, and then what your view of it was? I mean, yeah, I've been following the flock stuff a little bit. Um, I, mean, I think it's basically easy way to put it is like Chrome's going to use machine learning to group people into these groups instead of like a cookie for individual data where they track every single person. Now they're going to group them um, into these big groups and say like, I want to target an ad against this group of people. Um, in my opinion, it's the exact same thing. <laughs> um, it's just... Well, it's just, it's just garbage. They're yeah, wetting their pants about... They're really wetting their pants about this, are they? <laughs> they're just figuring out a way to rewrite it so they can keep doing the exact same thing. Um, now, coming from my marketing background, though, I also have a kind of a different view of, you know, I've used this in... I've used advertising and remarketing... Um, in many companies that I've worked with, and it does generate a lot of money for those companies. So um, there is something to be said in the power of being able to target an individual with an ad. Um, so I, I see it both ways. I, I don't think this is something that should go into WordPress, though. I think, you know, if there's another tool, another opt-out process, whether it's in Chrome, built into Chrome, or uh, um, I think there's like, DuckDuckGo released a Chrome extension that you can install to get rid of Flock now. Um, I, I think that's a better way to do it. I don't think this should even be part of WordPress. I don't know why they're even going to waste time on this. I think, why not waste time making full site editing better? Not, not this. Um, I just, it's kind of one of those things Spencer touched on where I think it's going to be one of those areas where they're trying to do all these things and nothing's ever perfect. And this is one of those things that they should just drop um yeah that's my opinion yeah so well you know, and also facebook you know with what you know it's linked to what before our break what apple's proposing with their um on their devices literally facebook are literally you know going berserk because it's it's a knife to the heart of facebook isn't it what apple's proposing isn't it brian yeah, no, it's the same type of thing. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens over the next five years, I think. Because I think people are more conscious about their data now than they ever have been before. Um, and they're watching to see what's happening with these companies, um, especially with, you know, like the GDPR stuff. That kind of phase went through. Um, and, you know, there's California has additional laws too for the sales stuff. So it's all these things are... Um, becoming more and more important. But I think all these big companies are just, they're just rewriting the, the laws to do the exact same thing. And I think, it, I think we're probably going to end up with nothing really changed in the long run. Um, other than maybe the people that do really care about it have maybe a few better workflows to opt out. And I don't think that should be in WordPress. I think it should be I think they should demand that this be part of Chrome itself. Like, go further than a Chrome extension, but like, make it a, you know, an option in Chrome settings or something like that. That Chrome needs to do. Well, I'm, I'm mostly, uh, I mostly use Firefox still, but if I'm really don't want to be tracked, I, I just use Brave and I ramp up the preferences in Brave if I really, really, because. Um, um, if I'm using Chrome at all, uh, 
I, I just presume I'm being tracked to death, you know, yeah. because it's, it's Google, is that's another solution. I mean, to switch browsers. So like no one's holding anybody stuck to Chrome. So like there's lots of great browsers now. Like I've used Brave too. I use Firefox. Edge is actually pretty nice to browse into. And Safari's been making actually lots of great stuff. I use Safari as my secondary browser now for all just random stuff. So uh, Yes, I understand. Yeah. Safari's actually like, you know, recognize that it's the 21st century all of a sudden. Uh, 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 and uh, yeah, I saw an announcement about their grid inspector. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about putting it into WordPress. I assumed that was more, um, you know, meant to be a statement of, we really think this is a bad thing. Um, <clears throat> because, yeah, I don't know that, you know, working on adding that to core would, would be a, a, a good use of anybody's time. Uh, but acknowledging that, yeah, this is just like you know, same same stuff in it with a with a different name, uh, is worth making the point of. Now, you know, anybody who's tech savvy uh, has probably heard that there are different choices of browsers. There are, you know, private windows. There are all kinds of of ways around it. The average human. Uh, it probably doesn't know that much. Like the browser is what came with your computer. And um, <clears throat> so uh, then that is a uh, cause for paranoia and, and anxiety. I mean, <clears throat> and we're, we're yeah, well, I was, I, I, I'm not being in some ways, I'm not in some ways I have been surprised in some ways I haven't. It was, Especially about Facebook's reaction to Apple's, they they literally got banners every when you go into the Facebook advert manager. They got literally banners everywhere. They're literally wetting their pants about what Apple's proposing. That you know, literally, these two, you know, giants are really for some reason. You know, maybe Facebook did something to piss off old Tim. I don't know. Uh, um, that's the thing that surprised me. Well, if, me. if they didn't, he must be the only one because Facebook's pissed all the rest of us off. <laughs> but it did something that upset Apple. Well, I mean, it's, it's a big GDPR issue too. I mean, like, they're, it, it's not just Facebook. I mean, and besides, Facebook's screwed up a whole bunch of things in the past couple of weeks. That, but, I mean, there's... I mean, it's a privacy issue, and it's been a problem for a while. And I'm I'm curious what Brian uh, thinks about a, all this from a marketing standpoint. Um. Well, and that's what I was saying. Like the as a marketer, I mean, the power of remarketing, like remarketing ads, like using ad roll, is something I've used many, many times at different companies. Is super powerful, and um, even you know, running Facebook ads or Twitter ads, and like. Um, you can't do a lot of this stuff anymore, but like people used to upload CSV lists into ads just to target individual people. Like I used to be doing that stuff way back then too. Like that's what you did as a marketer to stay ahead of the competition. Um, and now all of this stuff is getting a lot more complicated. I'm actually kind of glad I'm not doing any advertising anymore because now there's all these different loopholes you have to go through. Like um, I think it's good and bad though, because they're in one way you can't target individuals as much, which I think is good for, for privacy reasons. But um, it also makes it harder for marketers to do what they 
need to do while um, I did some, I did PPC stuff at, at Kinsta and it got harder and harder to target who I wanted to target over the years at Kinsta. So it, yeah, it's, but then I also, you know, I don't like people seeing my data either. So it's, yeah, it's kind of one of those things where like, I don't think there's a good solution either way. I think it's just a balance really, isn't it, Brian? You know, I actually, you know, it's useful to see adverts that you're interested in, you know, um, you know, actually. It's not especially useful to still see ads for the car you already bought six months later, however. Well, that means they're not doing it the right way. (laughs) They're not doing it the right way. They need to hire Brian, don't they? You know, there we go. What do you reckon, Spencer? This is, in my opinion, a clear mistake and overreaching on WordPress automatic, but it's also an example of, like, the priorities are so weird and off. I mean, they have so many things to worry about or fix or correct. Like, why, for God's sake, are they, they still haven't fixed accessibility? Why are they getting into trying to do the job of somebody's browser? And if they were going to do that, why are they debating not just making it a checkbox as an option instead of forcing it in as a, a false security threat? Like, this reminds me of so many of their other missteps. I mean, <clears throat> quite frankly, even if you look at Gutenberg, I mean, why is Gutenberg by default on and there's not just a checkbox as the option so that all of us have to use that plugin classic? And by the way, they stopped counting it at 5 million because it's more like 99% of people install it. I'm sure Heather as well. And the idea is like, because somebody has this weird priority list of triaging things to work on that doesn't align with the needs of what's really broken. And, and this is one of, I mean, listen, Somebody has to address whether people should be cohorted together, but it shouldn't be the CMS tool's job. <laughs> no, it's all you totally spot on. Thanks for saying that. Uh, um, no, let's go on to story four. Um, quick take, my reaction to Apple Podcasting's big announcement. I think you found this one, Sally, didn't you? You suggested it. What did you like about this story? Uh, Yes, one of the things that got announced at the Apple event that was not like a piece of shiny exactly uh, was a change to the Apple podcasting platform that lets you uh, charge money for your podcast uh, in an arrangement where apparently you you pay 20 bucks to get in the program uh, and then for the first year they take 30%. Uh, and after that, they take 15%. But that the, the thing the guy was particularly excited about, because there have been ways to charge money for podcasts for a long time, uh, was that y- you don't have to like worry about a custom feed URL and somehow paste it into your uh, device. Uh, now, you know, a- after this article was written a- and the new version of the uh, Apple podcast connect or, or whatever it is they call their tool launched um uh, you know apparently there were a whole bunch of problems and some people's podcast disappeared and uh it was not exactly the it just works experience that people want from apple uh but i think you know uh it's intriguing that they'll uh that they're doing this and uh, you know curious that well there are you know some of the other people who provide those services you know to see how they react whether they still uh, you know, whether they still do well. Uh, I don't think you have to, I don't know that you have to do an exclusive with the, with Apple for these things. I 
haven't been looking to monetize any of any podcasts, uh, but uh, it is interesting that and and the whole question of you know they're trying to convince you that if it's a free podcast you're now going to follow it, uh, uh, in uh, because you know if if you're going to subscribe to it then that means you're going to pay, uh, and uh, I think you know follow is not the <clears throat> is just not really the right term in the way that we understand that uh and, and we'll see whether that gets adopted uh, at all uh but it's uh, you know it's it's an opportunity uh for people who produce podcasts to use uh, you know something which is different from uh Patreon and the other you know available options mm. oh, I'll, be, I'll be looking at Patreon for my tribe Offer them more content. I mean, but I'm, I'm a bit pushed for time as it is. But um, but there we go, Spencer. What did you think? Of I'm just wondering. I, I'm, just, I'm just trying to think. At what point? I mean, I know when it happened when Steve Jobs died. But like, at what point did Apple lose its compass as far as what it does best? Because I mean, I truly have always been an Apple fanboy since the earliest days, and and I still am using my 2015 PowerBook or MacBook Pro. But it's a good bit of kit, isn't it? Well, because that's the last time it had all of the goodies, and the processor power is still more than enough, and it has the various connectors and a MagSafe, uh, you know. Uh, power cable, all the stuff you need. It is, it's an impact. Yeah, by by the way, that, that fancy iMac does not have a network port. I have two or three old iMacs that are over 10 years old that still function, ironically, and they're 27 inch, like Brian brings up. But the point is, like, at some point, and I don't know why, they lost their moral compass. And once they lost their moral compass or their business compass, they've been going down this path of pursuing things that are all like, below their dignity for what they're known for. Because it's clear that if they stuck stuck with making incredible products that were prosumer friendly and like awesome for what they did, that everybody would spend two, three, four times normal retail value to get them. I mean, no different than any other luxury brand like Dr. Dre's Beats or, you know, a Mercedes luxury sedan. But instead they've gone into this weird world of, why do they have to nickel and dime podcasters to like offer podcast hosting? What is that even about? Because they already own the iPod, uh, you know, the um, Apple Store for all the you know electronics. They can make plenty of money on the on the tchotchkes that people use. So I don't really have a strong feeling about it, other than to say. It just well, like- Spencer, you know, you didn't go to the right business school. You didn't go. <laughs> You just you're just not on message, Spencer. You know this is the problem, Spencer. You're just not on. Yes, message, well, I mean, friend. you know, it's iTunes yeah. is so old that we sort of feel like it's been around forever. But it did provide a a means of selling music on the internet in in a way that was convenient enough. That a lot of people, you know, said, "Okay, yeah, I can just like pay for that song that I that I like, and not like, you know, uh, download it from a torrent somewhere, and you know, not know if somebody attached some kind of malware to it." Uh, and uh, and one would assume they they might have thought of this for podcasting like as long ago as as they launched uh, podcasting in in iTunes. 
And uh, so, you know, it doesn't seem like a strange offering, but also, uh, you know, Spencer has a point about, you know, making sure that whatever they do is the best option. Like, of- like is, isn't this just like the tile example that Heather and I mean, Heather and I both noticed? It's like, why do they need to go into the business of copying tile in such a blatant way when all that's going to do is sort of make them look petty, right? Like we expect from Apple that what their product might be with some kind of like holographic satellite-based navigational tracking device that nobody's ever seen before. But as soon as they just go knock off a product or a product that already exists, it's sort of like, really? Like, is that what you've gone to? It's like, we're just putting pretty colors on other people's products and calling it Apple now. And, you know. And Tim, Tim was so impressed with their credit card, wasn't he? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that, it's, you're only impressed with somebody until the curtain is pulled back, like the Wizard of Oz, right? And if you see that, uh, you know, the Wizard of Oz is just a dude with a machine, you're no longer impressed or willing to pay the premium. And I think many people found that for various reasons. Mine, mine was the removing of the USB stuff and the MagSafe and the triple quadruple cost of stuff I can't fix. That was just more than I could take because the, the Intel market caught up and passed them with other options that seemed to work. And at this point, like they don't make a Mac that has the spec of uh, specs of my laptop. Right. I'm just saying like, well, I, again, everybody has their personal preference, but like, you you can edit on a 2015 uh, MacBook pro just about everything under the sun, unless you're doing like Marcus Bromley and you're doing 4k, you know, ridiculous stuff. But for most mere mortals uh, in order to fit it into your normal website, it's not going to be like requiring that super duper stuff. So anyway, I that's what I just want point, to, but, you know. Yeah, I just want to point out to the listeners and viewers that Sally's laptop is a gaming machine that literally cost right. her about three grand. But it's four, not four thousand dollars or something. Four thousand dollars. Yes. So it's, it's, a, it's she's cooking breakfast on it while we speak. Yeah, she so, is there. She's cooking. And, uh, well, it's got, it's got the most incredible fan. It's a whole house. It's roasting a chicken on it. Uh, no, it doesn't get. I mean, you know, it would get that hot, but it has these amazing fans. So, uh, in fact, it it doesn't. Um, you just wonder if the Concord has taken off uh, once they kick in at full strength. The, but not the, that the, not the, that much actually causes the the fans to need the to kick in because most of what I do is not working it very hard relative to what it's capable of. Okay. I mean that rotisserie attachment you got is awesome because you can have like you just do your work and then your your lunch is ready by the time you're done. It's fully cooked from the heat coming <laughs> off of that thing. <laughs> Yeah, well, right. the, cat, the cats do like to sit behind the the, the vents on the outside. Right. Hot cats. Uh, there we go. We've got there. We've got hot cats. Uh, um, let's wrap this up. But before we do, we're going to do our recommendations of the week from the panel. But before that, I want to talk about a webinar that I'm doing with Uncle Spencer on the 14th of May. Mm-hmm. That's the second Friday of May at 10.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. I'm pumped up for it. I'm going to turn it over to Spencer. Can you tell our listeners and viewers what we're going to be covering, Spencer? 
Indeed, it's the second of a three-part series. The first video is available for anybody. If you go to the link, um, I'll put it in the thing here. You can basically um, understand very quickly that with WordPress, you've now got essentially a platform, just like any other hosted platform. But many people get confused by how many choices or sticking the wrong things together. So if you're building a membership site and you follow this advice, you will be able to identify the small stack of things that matches for you. You can then in the second webinar, learn how to configure those like Lego blocks. And then we'll be following up with a third webinar that shows how to use that new Lego stack of plugins to launch your membership in a way that works with today's strategies. The number one thing I always point out is like, Nobody but nobody but nobody wants to hear that when they give you their email, you're going to send them 65 drip emails to follow up. Um, instead, you want to use the website as the target and you just use email as a way to remind people stuff's going on that's exciting. So if you're really curious how to do this in a lean, mean, modern way, watch the first video for free. Give your email so you'll get the link to the second one. I will not spam you, but we'll just keep you posted for each of the links. That's great. So let's go on to our recommendations. And um, Brian, have you got a recommendation for the listeners and viewers? Oh, you're you mute, Brian. Oh, okay. thank you. Um, I think uh, there's this new little app I've been using just for some stuff. Now, do your own research, and whether you think it's secure or not is up to you. Um, but I was, I don't know if anyone on here used to use Firefox Send. It was like a free tool for them just to send quick links that expire that you just want to, you know, maybe it's just like a, a document or something, or it's easier. It's an easier way to send something than like sharing a Google doc or stuff like that. Or you want to share a zip file quickly. Um, I used to use Firefox send all the time. Firefox got rid of it for some reason, which sucked. Um, I really liked it. And I think it might've had to do with laying off such an enormous amount of the Mozilla staff. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. I, cause they're, they had expire times of like 15 days. So obviously they had lots of storage costs involved with running that tool, I'm assuming. So yeah, I'm sure it was costing them money. Um, and there's this new one called wormhole.app. And it's basically, they're trying to clone Firefox send. Um, but I actually think um, it's pretty handy. I've used it a couple times. It does, you know, end-to-end -end encryption. Um, but they're trying to make it stupid, stupid easy like Firefox send did. You know, you add your zip file, you send it, it expires, you're done. Like, it's, it's a great way to send just little things here and there to people if you need. So. Oh, sounds interesting. Thanks for that. Um, Spencer, well... Um, Brian won't put that into chat, Brian, and I'll put it into Slack for you. Uh, um, but the rest of you, if you can put your recommendations in <clears throat> Slack, um, that helps a lot. So, Spencer, got anything you want to recommend to the I listeners? Do. Uh, now, now, this is a product everybody can use, and one that if Apple was going to rip off, would actually make sense. So, this is called joinslash.com. It has nothing to do with the Guns N' Roses guitar player. It is a way for you and 10 friends to create a smart virtual credit card that you can share the cost of so you can all subscribe to those services that you know you want to share, like Hulu and Netflix or other websites that you know require subscription. So the idea is, and I don't know how long they're going to let this last, but boy, oh boy, if Apple were to mainstream this, this is where Apple could make a, a trillion dollars for something unique. 
You and 10 friends essentially sign up and you get a bill, but it gives you a virtual credit card number that you use to sign up for Hulu or whatever. And then ta-da, you just go, everybody pay your share and it manages and tracks it. And now you can all, you know, get, because I have this problem at home and, you know, we all do it with our family anyway, or our girlfriends and boyfriends, husbands and wives. Like you got five, six different services, you know, Disney Plus and Netflix and Hulu and so forth. Well, now you can essentially have everybody divvy up the cost of it as well as just, you know, mixing and matching. So I, I suspect this will be either around a long time and become mainstream or it will be killed dead with a photograph on the front page of the newspaper. Why? I think his lifespan is, is rather limited, but really interesting. But uh, I think corporate America will soon... Get rid of that, Spencer. There we go. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> so, Sally, got anything you want to recommend to the listeners of yours? Yes. Now, okay, I confess I haven't tried this yet. I, I saw it on uh, Product Hunt and was reminded of it when uh, Spencer was talking about, um, you know, the super high production values of some uh, YouTubers and uh, giant 4K videos. So this is called uh, Tiny Vid. And, and what it does is it it helps you um, compress uh, and trim your videos for uh, better use on the web or uh, certain uh, certain apps. And uh, I I I am looking forward to trying it because it looks like it might actually be a video editing tool that would be simple enough for me to use. I, I am not good at video editing. I don't enjoy it. Uh, but now and again, uh, people will want you know. Can you just trim a bit of something off of here or cut that little whatever? Uh, so I have put the uh, the link into uh, the, put it, yes put it into in the, the chat there. and into the Slack. Right, because uh, it doesn't save the chat on this particular platform, which that's a very on. annoying thing. Yeah, so I should send them a ticket. We need to be able to share the. Save the chat. Um, Eva, have you got anything you want to share with the listeners and viewers, Eva? Yes. So um, I know everybody uh, has been, or a lot of people um, in our community have been working from home or working remotely um, even before the pandemic. Um, so as as uh, uh, a lot of companies have been coming up with like virtual uh workspaces to help socialize us. Um, I've put in a uh, uh, website that creates like a virtual coffee shop that people can jump into and and you can create your own little um, coffee shop with its own ambiance and stuff and people can jump in and say hi and it's completely free. You can have your own like little Spotify playlist in the background and and uh, it just becomes your little uh, hangout that people can jump in and jump out. <laughs> It sounds like Brian's home. Uh, <laughs> I do love my Spotify. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it's just your your own little uh, hub that's not like a persistent Zoom room or something. So it's cute. Yes. Right, thank you for that. I think it's been a great show. Thank you, panel, for turning up. I think we've had a great discussion. And we will be back next week around 8.30 Pacific Standard Time. That's a.m with another panel, another great discussion. We'll see you soon, folks. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the WP Tonic Podcast, the podcast that gives you a dose of WordPress medicine twice a week. 